Let me begin by asking you a series of questions today. First of all, what has your emotional response been to one of the very worst moments in life? What did you think? What did you say when your world was falling apart? Well, today we're going to look at what Paul thought and what he said when threatened with prison once again. His words may surprise you. This is a jolt of joy on the Charisma Podcast Network, and I am your host, Carol McLeod. Okay, let me paint the picture for you. Paul is in trouble once again. He is in big, big trouble. He is in over his head. He is in great risk of being placed in jail once again. And why is the threat of jail so real? Well, it's because he did the right thing. It's because he obeyed God's voice by preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this horrible, no good, very bad day, Paul was brought before King Agrippa, who had the power to determine what the next few years of Paul's life would look like. Now, what would your emotional response be to a situation similar to this? Would you be afraid? I'd be terrorized. Would perhaps you be outraged at how unfair God is? Would you be crying out and saying, God, where are you? Don't you care about me? Let me read to you the words of Paul as found in Acts 26, verse 2, in the King James Version. Paul said, King Agrippa, I think myself happy. Did you know that you can think yourself happy at the worst moment in your life? You can allow your mind to be filled with joy and with peace and with contentment, even when your circumstances are falling apart. You know what we learn from Paul? Your circumstances do not determine your emotional response to life. Your circumstances only have the power that you give them on any given day of your life. We're talking about joy. We're talking about the power of joy in an ordinary person's life. And as you know, I've entitled this Bible study, Defiant Joy, because I believe that God is able to give us a joy that literally helps us to defy our life's circumstances. If you don't believe me, just look at the life of of Paul. He embraced a joy so defiant and so real and so pervasive that at one of the worst moments of his life, it's all he could talk about was how happy he was to be, to be able to give a defense to King Agrippa. You know, joy is not a natural response to life. Joy is not a knee-jerk reaction that our life circumstances deserve or desire. What is joy? Well, joy is a supernatural response to life. Joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23 talk about the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit that spirit with a capital S is love, joy, 
peace. Listen, if you want joy in your life, you must spend time in the garden of the Holy Spirit. Do you remember how we've learned that in His presence, there is fullness of joy? That if you are desperate for joy, you will spend time with Jesus. If you are desperate for joy, you will spend time with the Holy Spirit. You will ask the Holy Spirit to cultivate the harvest of joy in your life. Read your Bible, pray, worship, get a great devotional book, have a group of friends over and don't talk about how bad your life is. Don't talk about how America's falling apart, but spend some time on your knees in the throne room. I can guarantee you the words that come out of your mouth might just match the words that came out of Paul's mouth. I think myself happy. Joy is a miraculous moment in your life when you choose Him over you. Joy is a miraculous moment in your life when you develop an intimate friendship with the King of all kings and with the Lord of lords. Joy is when you submit to His way of dealing with a human life. Joy is when you find yourself walking in triumph through circumstances that you do not like and would not have chosen. Joy is a choice, and joy is indeed a miracle. Let me read to you the words of Jesus Christ himself, as found in John chapter 15, verses 4 and 5. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. The call is as real today as it was 2,000 years ago when Jesus was talking to his band of brothers. Abide in me. Hang out with God. Stay in his presence. Marinate in Jesus so that you can take on his flavor. You know, Jesus said it. These are the words of Jesus. He is the vine and you are the branches. The branches do not develop their own genetic code. The branches take on the genetic code of the vine. As you stay in close proximity, as you stay in sweet communion in Jesus, you will take on the attributes of joy. Jesus is the vine. You are the branches. So the branches don't say to the vine, look, I know you're a grape, but I think that I will act like an onion today, or I'm going to be a chili pepper today. No, you have the genetic code of the vine on whom you are growing. And your fruit should never be your emotions. Your fruit should always be the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And they are yours and yours in abundance when you hang out with the vine. Your fruit is love joy, peace, patience, faithfulness, goodness, kindness, gentleness, 
and self-control. That's the kind of fruit that you should be producing as long as you are hanging out with the vine. My friend, you were designed to bear fruit. You were not made for gossip or depression. That's getting your genetic code from the enemy. You were not made for bitterness or for anger. That's getting your genetic code from the enemy. You were not made to give your spouse the silent treatment. You were not made to condemn or to criticize or to judge. That's getting your genetic code from the enemy. You were made for joy. You were designed for joy. You were developed for joy. And where do you get joy? You get it when you hang out with the vine. You get joy when When you stay in the garden of the Holy Spirit. You know, I have a great stepdad. His name is Leo, and we've just developed this sweet relationship. And about 10 years ago, when we still had three teenagers at home and only had one car, Leo had a car that was just hanging out in his garage, never drove it. It was just there. It was a great little car, not a lot of miles on it. And he said, Carol, how about if I sell you my car? And I said, Leo, I can't afford your car. And he said, well, how about if I sell it to you for a dollar? And I said, you know what? I can afford that. So we met halfway between my home in New York and his home in Pennsylvania, and he gave me his car. But when he gave me his car, he said, now, Carol, I want to talk to you about this car. It's in great condition, and I want you to continue to take really good care of it. And he gave me a list of ways that I could take good care of the car, which included keeping air in the tires, checking the oil, getting tune-ups. He's an engineer, and he cares about these things. He cares about the way we treat the things that he gives to us. And I said, done, Leo. I will take really good care of the car that you've just given to me. Now, what if I had called Leo and I said, Leo, I love your car, but it's not running very well. And what if he had said to me, well, Carol, why isn't it running? When I gave it to you, it was in prime condition. And what if this was the scenario that I painted for him? Well, Leo, I was driving down the car one day And the weather wasn't very good, and I was about to run out of gas. So rather than going to the gas station, which I didn't really have time to do, nor did I have the money for, I stopped by the side of the road, Leo, and I began to put sand in the gas tank of this car. I just filled this gas tank with sand. And Leo, I couldn't get the car started. It it would putter, it would sputter, it would jerk, but it wouldn't go anywhere. Well... You get the picture, don't you? Cars were not made to run with sand in the gas tank. It would ruin the car. I would have to take it to the junkyard. I would never reach my destination. And my friend, you were not made to run your life on discouragement, with depression, with sadness, with anger, with bitterness. It would ruin your life. You were designed to be a fruit-bearing Christian. Go to the gas station for which you were designed. Get your fuel from the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords, especially when your climate conditions are bad. Go to the King and get filled up on everything that he is 
and on everything that he has. Depression and discouragement are contrary to your supernatural nature. Our purpose in life is to glorify God through the production of fruit because we get our genetic code from the vine, because we marinate in his presence. To the extent that he occupies my whole being is to the extent that I have joy. Joy is not a response to my circumstances, but it's the result of his presence in my life. Thank you for joining me today on A Jolt of Joy. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I'd like to encourage you to visit my website at www.justjoyministries.com. It is my passion to help people live an abundant life through the power and principles found only in the Word of God. You can contact me at carol at justjoyministries.com. And as always, know that I am praying for you today.